As you're being seated, I invite you to take your scriptures and turn back to that passage we read a little earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There is a fictional account that tells the story how that at one point the uh, devil put all of his tools that he uses to destroy God's people up for sale. And each item, according to the story, was marked with a price. Inside the devil's toolbox, all the tools had names engraved on the side of them. And there was one called hatred and envy, jealousy, lying, pride, and of course, many others. However, one tool in particular was well-worn more than the others. In fact, it also had a very expensive, far more expensive price attached to it. And so one of the interested buyers said, what tool is that, and why is it so much more expensive than all the rest of them? And the devil replied, it's because it's more useful to me than almost any other tool that I have, and it's well worn out because I've used it so much so successfully on others. And so the devil took that tool and put it in the hand of the buyer so that he could mull it over and take a look at it, and as he turned it over in his hand, he looked at the engraving on that tool, and it said, discouragement. Not the one that you might think would be that tool. We all have. Every single one of us here this morning, we have felt the hammer blow of discouragement. It could be that it's our marriages and the conflicts, the unresolved issues that go on for weeks, months, dare I say years. Perhaps it's our job that we feel that we want to give in unemployment, we can't get a job that pays the bills, and the ones that we do get oftentimes see that they're dead end. We get laid off, and on it goes. Health issues, chronic problems, never-ending medical bills, the pain that we hide and keep to ourselves most of the time. Perhaps the the discouragement has come as far as financial issues. Maybe it's bills or loans that we're still paying off from college. And it seems like every time we try to get ahead, we get take, take two steps backwards. Pregnancy. Been married for years and no children. And it's beginning to eat at you and discourage you. And you're wondering when. When will it happen? Will it ever happen You've looked into adoption, so long a process at times, so much money. What is God doing? See, have you ever said to yourself, and maybe you've even said it more recently, that's it. Have you ever said that? That's it. I'm done. I can't and I won't do this another day. And we have all kinds of things that we say to describe what we say, waving the white flag, throwing in the towel, calling it quits, saying, uncle, that's the end of the road for me. We have all kinds of statements. And the reason why we make those statements is because we all face, at times, difficult people and difficult circumstances, and it doesn't seem to get any better. And as time passes, we get discouraged. We feel like, on certain days in particular, perhaps that we're on the brink of despair. 
Maybe you're here this morning and that's you. Maybe you're about to give up and perhaps you even came to church this morning because you're wondering, where can I find the power to persevere? How can I really keep going? How can I keep loving, keep trying to make this relationship, keep working at this job, keep praying for that lost person, keep witnessing to my family who don't know Christ, keep resisting the temptations that Satan brings my way? Where do you get the power to persevere? Well, Paul wants to take this passage of Scripture that we read this morning, and he wants to teach us just how we can do that very thing. But I thought for your benefit, because it's what came to my mind when I read it, because if you're sitting in the pew this morning and you're discouraged, I would guess that this is, it matters who's telling you what the answers are. Doesn't it matter? I mean, I thought to myself, does Paul have a platform to talk to us about suffering Does he have a platform to say, hey, when you have pain and you have problems, this is how you should handle it? Because it matters, doesn't it? You remember the old commercial, and I know I'm dating myself here a little bit. You remember E.F. Hutton? Remember E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. And then whoever, whatever the scenario was, everyone would stop what they're doing, and they'd all get close and listen. Why? Because... Apparently, E.F. Hutton knew everything there was to know about stocks. And if you wanted to be successful at it, you zip it and you listen, right? Can I tell you this? The Apostle Paul is the E.F. Hutton of suffering. See, when he talks, people listen. You know why? Because he knew just about everything there was to know about pain and problems. I think you and I would agree. When it comes to discouragement, And difficulties in our life, we don't need someone who's naive. We don't need someone who's an ivory tower um, experienced theorist. We need someone who really knows how to stay with the stuff. And that's the Apostle Paul. In fact, if you look at our text, would you do that? Look how it's framed. In chapter 4 and verse 1 and chapter 4 and verse 16, he brackets it with the identical phrase, we do not lose heart. He says, let me tell you, I've experienced it. I've gone through so many difficulties in my life. I know what it means to be tempted to quit. But we don't. We don't lose heart. That little phrase is used six times in the New Testament. And Paul says, you know how much I know about it? I authored five out of the six times it's used. I'm the one who wrote it. We think of Paul as the successful, changing the world, Apostle Paul, planning churches, reaching people. He was a great person. But yet here's what he says. No matter how great things were, I was constantly fighting the desire to quit. As you know, when Paul wrote these epistles, 2 Corinthians not excluded, that he wasn't sitting on a beach somewhere, sipping iced tea and working on his tan. Rather, he was neck deep in persecution and pain and problems. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that almost everything in Paul's life was a discouragement. He had to fight it every day. In our text 4.10, it says, he always, always carries about in his body the dying of the Lord. Always. He's always practicing that. He's always discouraged because of the pain and the problem that he's facing In fact, so much so that in this very book in chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verses 22 through 33, he has a list of all of the things that people did to him that were so discouraging. And they're bad, most of them. Great labors, he says, imprisonments, plural with an S on it. Countless, listen to that, countless beatings. 
He was scourged with a cat of nine tails. He was beaten with rods on multiple occasions. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry. He was left naked. He says, often I didn't think I was going to live. See, he has a list, and undoubtedly, whether you've written it down or not, I'm sure this morning, as you think about what makes you discouraged, you have a list, don't you? You have a list. Dare I say it? Well, let me start with my spouse, and my children, and my job, and my health. See, it's not Paul's list, but it's yours. It's the things that happen over and over again, taking different shapes and forms in my life, but nevertheless discouraged and see... That was Paul's resume for resilience. He said, you know what? I can tell you all the awful things that happened to me. And for most people, they would have turned and ran the other way. They would have said, I'm not doing that anymore, but not him. And on top of it, in chapter 12, it says he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was, but it was awful. And he prayed to God. This is his number one guy. He prayed, Jesus, take it away from me three times. You know what the standing answer was? No, no, no. You ever been there? You ever prayed for God, hey, listen, I'm trying to love you and serve you, be faithful to you, and this is all the stuff you bring into my life. Could you take at least this out? And he says no, and you go, what's happening? The language he uses leading up into our text in verses 8 through 11, afflicted in every way. That ever happened to you? Every way. Perplexed persecuted, struck down, like someone knocks you down, and you're tired of trying to get back up. But to every one of those phrases, listen, he says this little rhetorical phrase. He says, but not. Do you have a but not in your vocabulary? When you get your toolbox out, is there a tool in it that fights all the discouragement of the devil? Does it say, but not? Is there, are you going to keep getting up? See, how did he do it? Where did he get the power to persevere? How did he not give in and give up? How do I, how do I keep going? Let me tell you the sermon in a sentence. Ready? Daily discouragement can only be defeated by daily renewal. Let me say it again. Daily discouragement can only be defeated by daily renewal. See, in order to understand the power to persevere, we have to understand two things, Paul says. One, the process of perseverance. And number two, the perspective of perseverance. And let's unpack each one in the few minutes we have left. He says, let me tell you about the process. He starts, look at verse 16. We do not lose heart. And the word lose heart is a Greek word that means literally to give into evil. It means to become weary. It means that you're going to throw in the towel. It means you've got discouraged. It means this. We would say today in our modern vernacular, he would say your heart's really not in it anymore. How did he keep serving and ministering to God when all these things happened to him? How did he not lose heart? Because here's what Paul says. Paul states for the Christian that there are two processes going on simultaneously in our life. One process is going on outside of you, and the other process is going on inside of you. Do you see what he says? Look at the verse. Our outer self is wasting away. Physically, we are going through the process of deterioration. But he says we have an inner self, and that inner self is being renewed. 
See, it's deterioration and transformation. There are two processes going on at the same time. One is physical and one is spiritual. He calls himself earlier, he says, my body earlier. He calls it in verse 7 of chapter 4, a jar of clay or an earthen vessel. He said, you know what? We're physically, we have problems and issues in our lives. Now, let me tell you, we have an amazing body. There's no doubt about it. I read an article this week that said this. One square inch of your skin has this in it. Four yards of nerve fibers, 1,300 nerve cells, 100 sweat glands, 3 million regular cells, and 3 yards of blood vessels. That's in one square inch. An adult heart beats 4 million times a year. It produces enough energy to pick up 2,000 pounds 3 feet into the air. Your central nervous system is connected to every part of your body, and it has 43 pairs of nerves, 12 that go from your brain and to other places in your body, 31 pairs that go from your spinal cord, and all inside of that is 45 miles worth of nerves that run throughout. The blood cells in your body, for the average person, number 2.5 trillion. Your bone marrow... Every second produces 2.5 million cells. Every second. Your brain, well, most of you, (laughs) generates more electrical impulses in a single day than all of the phones put together. Yet, the Bible says that you and I, Paul says, are wasting away It means to literally be destroyed. We are breaking down. It's the process of deterioration. It's happening every day. Look around. I used to have hair. And when I did, it used to be brown. My knees used to work because I would run and I would jog. Now I live up to my name. I am only a walker. Some people, as they get older and they deteriorate, they don't remember things. Well, that hasn't been my issue. And so when I had a birthday this week, I realized, yes, I am 39. (laughs) See, we're wasting away. That's what Paul says. We're wasting away. I read that every seven years or so, your body completely renews itself, which means I am on my eighth body presently and only have a few left to go. It's not just your body that's wasting away, isn't it? It's everything that has to do with this physical life. And it hurts us, doesn't it? It hurts when relationships are wasting away. And families are wasting away. And friends, and our skills and abilities. My mind says I can do one thing and my body says, no, you can't. Your mind. See, You might say, Pastor Walker, well, thanks. I wasn't discouraged before you started, but now I am. See, for believers, if that's all there was, and by the way, it's the scary part, and that's why you're discouraged. Can I say it up front here? Because for many people in here, even God's people, that's the only process that you're aware of. 
It's the only one you experience. It's the only one you practice. But you know what Paul says? This is why you have to know there are processes of perseverance. One is the the deterioration process, and all of us have it, but it's not for believers. It's not the only one. See, there is the process of transformation. One writer said, I read this week, destruction and construction are going on simultaneously. It is. Your inner self, at the very same time, your outer self is getting worse. Your inner self is getting better. Paul's going to tell you when that's happening, here's what it looks like in a moment. We're going to get there. But he calls it being renewed. It means to be restored, to be made over again, to be new. And every, almost every time in the New Testament, and there's a number of them, renewal is attributed to a work of the Holy Spirit and often when he uses the Bible. So maybe, and I think likely here, Paul is saying, you know, every day on the outside you are getting, you are deteriorating, but on the inside you are getting stronger and stronger and stronger because the Spirit of God is taking the Word of God and helping you to have a different way of thinking, a different way of looking at your trials and your, your disabilities and your discouragements. So, Pastor Walker, why does it matter? (laughs) How does this help me with discouragement? Listen, because if you only acknowledge one and experience only one of those processes, here's what you will be. You will become angry, and you will become bitter, and you will despair. If all there is in your life and all that you acknowledge and all that you practice, all there is is pain and problems and difficulty, it will breed bitterness because there is no way of reversing it. See, if all you see is deterioration without transformation, it is virtually true that you will become impossible in your mind to persevere. How so? Because what is happening to you on the outside will also begin to happen to you on the inside. And there won't be anything to counterbalance it. There won't be a different way of looking at life. There won't be a different way of responding to life. Because you have nothing going on on the inside. Pain on the outside will mean pain on the inside. Loneliness on the outside will mean loneliness on the inside. Hopelessness on the outside will breed more and more hopeless until it becomes so dark in your life that you can't imagine taking another breath for some. Did you notice in the text that these two processes take place at the same time? It is transformation in the midst of deterioration. You know what that means? It means this, that we don't automatically or instantaneously be renewed It happens in the middle of our problems. And the difficult circumstances and the difficult people are to be responded to with this new process. The Holy Spirit working in us to help us to see it and look at it and respond to it differently. Because there is no discouragement inoculation. You can't get a shot and then a couple boosters when you need them. It doesn't work that way. God has designed it, listen, that you will need him to overcome discouragement. Listen, every day, every day, you need a daily dose of God's word through the spirit of God if you're gonna overcome the difficulties that discourage you in your life. That's why he says you are being renewed, listen, day by day. There isn't a magic wand 
There aren't some words that I could say. There isn't a one-time counseling session that I could tell you, here's the secret. I know you're so depressed and discouraged. Let me tell you, you, there's not a technique that if you do it a couple times, that everything will turn out rosy. No, it's a process. In the midst of your deterioration, the difficulties, he says you can see them and respond to them completely different. The process of daily transformation has to be going on at the same time as the process of deterioration. And I wrote in my notes, not losing heart is profoundly connected to not losing perspective. My daughter, Mackenzie, when she was three, and many of you have heard this story, we found out she had ear problems, and they were more than ear problems. They were ear tumors. She was born with it genetically. And if it wasn't eliminated and eradicated, it would have eaten through the inside interior of her ear that allowed her to hear into her brain and would have eventually killed her. But in God's divine providence moving us here, the number one specialist in the United States for this very rare problem was Dr. Posick at CHOP in Philadelphia. And we went there, and you're sitting in the hallway waiting to go in and see them, and you're thinking in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I didn't see this coming, and how difficult is this going to be, and why did my daughter get this? And you're thinking all the things that probably everyone else thinks until, until you see a little girl who's eight years old being pushed down the corridor in a wheelchair who has leukemia, and she's not going to make it. She's bald and she's frail, and her mom is crying as she pushes her down the hallway, and you get perspective. And you begin to see not just perspective compared to my pain and your pain. But the question goes through my mind, and what if she doesn't know Jesus? And you begin to see the perspective that God wants you to begin looking and see perspective matters. It's not only the process of perseverance, it's the perspective of perseverance. And what that inner transformation of the Word of God by the Spirit of God does in your life is explained to us in detail in verses 17 and 18, if you look there. And it's introduced to us, these two abilities, these two comparison abilities, two comparison skills are introduced to us with the little word for. Can you see it in your text? Circle them if you do that sort of thing. Verse 17 begins, for. So it's connected to verse 16. Here's what the process of perseverance will do. It'll give you the ability to be, make comparisons. The first one is verse 17, verse 4. The second one, in the middle of it, says, for the thing. See it? Two words, for. Let's look at the first one. The first comparison is what I call, you'll have the ability to have new values. Because if you read Paul's list, and you read all the things, floggings, beatings, shipwreck, left for dead, stoned. You eat all those things and you said, hey, listen, I would never even have made this. I would never have made it through the couple of them, much less all these things he had. How did he do it? And, and how, you almost want to say, how dare the Apostle Paul say that that list of mine, listen to how, what he talks about. Listen to this. My light and momentary affliction. Are you kidding me? How does he dare call all of that stuff? 
that beats my list. How does he call it? Light and momentary. Is that what you call yours? When you get your list out and read it, you say, ah, this is not a big deal. Light and momentary. No, it's more like massive and forever. That's what we would say. Never small and never ending. That's kind of the adjectives we would use, right? But Paul says, you know how I can say it's light and momentary? Because look at the text. It's preparing for us. Do you see it? It literally means this stuff, this list, is working for us. Now that's crucial. You know why? Because normally, here's how we'd view it. Difficult problems, difficult people, making me really, really, really discouraged. I call that working against me. And so you're here this morning, and you might be able to say to yourself, listen, if you're a single mom, and you have no help from anyone, and and seems like everyone's abandoned you, how in the world could you call that light and momentary? Being divorced and alone, not sure what your future holds with incredible uncertainty, feeling alone, it feels heavy to me, Pastor Walker. Losing a loved one, a friend, it feels like I don't know how I'm going to handle it. See, God is not, can I say to you, God is not asking you to see your pain as pleasure. He's asking you to compare it. Not compare it with Paul's list or anybody else's list. He's asking you to compare it with what it will do for you in the end, you see. Our perspective is all the stuff on the outside, we like to get rid of it. And Paul says, all the stuff that's happening on the outside of your life is doing something to, for you and to you on the inside of your life. And if you could only see, Paul says, if you could only see what the stuff on the outside now is doing for you on the inside and what it will mean someday, you would call it light and momentary too. Hear me. This doesn't mean that our afflictions are painless. Light and momentary does not mean that they're not painless. They are, they are painless, but it means that they are not pointless. They have a purpose. They are producing something in you. And here's what Paul calls it. Ready? An eternal weight of glory. See, Being renewed through the Spirit of God does not mean you won't have problems, they won't hurt, and they won't last longer than you would like. But here's what the point is. They will mean this, that they are working in you to make you more like Jesus, that when you get to heaven, that the glory of them will be so great that you can now begin to say, this is nothing compared to how awesome my life will be. In fact, Romans 8.18, Paul says it this way, that the present sufferings are not to be compared. They are nothing to compare, nothing in comparison to what we will have in our future glory. Listen to that phrase, nothing in comparison. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Because look at your life. Look at the things. Look how bad they are. And you said they are so bad. Can I tell you, they are nothing in comparison to what God is going to use them to do when he makes you 
into his image completely. Nothing. And so Paul says in our text, eternal weight of glory. And then he has to add this. Ready? Beyond comparison. Do you see that? It is a Greek word that is repeated. It means surpassingness unto surpassingness. I mean, he doesn't know how to say it. He says this, the glory that you are going to have someday in heaven is so far beyond, so much better than anything you're suffering that you can't in your finite mind even begin to imagine how different and better it's going to be. And that gives us hope. See, that may, it may last in this life, but you have what? An eternal weight of glory. 4, 17, 18, 5, 1. He uses in three verses in a row, eternity. He wants to turn you and your mind and your heart to realize that your griefs, hear me, your griefs will become the servant of your glory. Those things that you would not want to embrace and avoid, those will be the servants to make your glory even better. And I would tell you this morning that mature believers will have the skill in making comparisons. That's where the power of perspective comes in. And the first comparison is this. What really seems heavy will only be light and momentary in comparison to what glory will be. But he makes one more because he builds off of it. Can you see it in verse 18? As we look not to the things that are seen, but in contrast, but to the things that are not seen. Remember how he said in verse 16, don't just focus on the outside, focus on the inside. And now he's going to say it a different way. Don't just focus on what is visible, but what is invisible. You see, that's the only way you say, Pastor Walker, okay, someday I'm going to feel better, but what does that do for me now? That doesn't really help me that much. It will But in order to have God's new values, you have to have God's new vision. In order to have the ability to use his scales, you have to have his sight. It doesn't just plop down and say, okay, now I'm going to see it differently. No. Here's what he says. As we look, it's a word that means we would say today, focus. It's my concentration. Because here's what happens when you're discouraged. Am I not trying When you're discouraged, all you can do is look around. I look around and look how they're treating me. Look what they said to me. Look at my financial account. Look what the doctor said. Look at my job. Look at my car. Look at... And Paul says that's what the inner transformation does. In the midst of deterioration, the transformation is I don't have as my main focus outside things. Or he says in verse 18, visible things. I see them. I know they're there. I'm not ignoring them. I'm not pretending they don't exist. They're not my focus, he says. But I can see, he says, something that most people can't. And he says, here's what you want to do. Put on your God glasses and through the eyes of faith, You need a new perspective, another way of comparing. This isn't just positive thinking. This is reality thinking. Not just visible reality, but the invisible reality. So he says, as we look, as we examine it, as we contemplate it, as we note it carefully, here's my focus. That if I'm going to see what is truly has eternal weight, I'm going to have to have an eternal focus. Do you get that? 
If you say, I, I couldn't call that light and momentary, I couldn't do what Paul does. See, yeah, because you don't have his eyes. Because if you're going to have etern- see what's eternally weighty, you're going to say, I need to have an eternal focus. So I can see light and heavenly different, heavy differently. Why? Because I see temporal and eternal differently. See, if you don't want to lose heart, you can't lose focus. The model of this, the standard of this, The example that we look to to show us how to do it is none other than Jesus himself. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. And notice how it starts, looking unto Jesus. As we look, looking to him, focusing on him. See, you're focusing on you and you get discouraged. Focused on him. Look to him, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was what? Yeah, Now he had pain. Now he had torture. Now he had suffering. And by the way, more suffering than all of us ever will have combined together. Says he looked what? For the joy. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that's where his focus was. And so what did that enable him to do? What did that comparison, what did that perspective enable to do? He endured the cross. He persevered. He kept going. He didn't wave the white flag. He didn't throw in the towel. Thank God, right? Because without it, we would not be saved. We would not be in this building. We would not be worshiping him. He endured the cross What? Despising the shame, he looked down on it. How? Because the shame he was having naked on a cross in front of everyone he knew and everyone he never knew, socially shameful. How did he endure that? Because he would sit down, it says, at the right hand of Father. You know how you handle shame? Future honor. The comparison. That's how he did it. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand, the majesty on high. See, you need both, do you? Without a doubt, the process of deterioration, the physical breakdown, the discouragement, and what causes it, it's all happening, and it will not stop. But the question is, do you have the daily renewal happening as you're in the Word and the Spirit of God working in it, that's where the encouragement comes. That from the, but let me tell you this. Without that, you will have pain but no purpose. You will have a horrible day that has happened, but you won't see it through the better day that is coming. The present suffering will not be undone by the future glory. What is will always be overshadowed shadowed by what will be. In the Lord of the Rings, Samwise Gamgees was talking to Gandalf. And he was so discouraged about what they had to do to destroy the ring and how much it would cost them. And one day, as they're sitting talking together, he asked him, Gandalf, will everything sad become untrue? And we're all asking that question, aren't we? 
Will everything discouraging, everything sad become untrue? And Paul says, it will. It is our hope. Make the comparisons. Keep your focus on Jesus. You lose heart today? Are you losing heart? Let God work in your heart so that you can see life and everything in it through his eyes. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around this morning, I don't know what discourages you. Sometimes it's small things, isn't it? But small things that never go away and only get bigger. Sometimes it's a bunch of big things all at once. Sometimes it's a combination of all those and more. But today we want to do something a little different at the end of our service. I'm not asking you to share what those discouragements are. I'm just asking you to understand your need for God in them. He's designed it so that you'll need renewal daily. D-A-I-L-Y. Have you recognized that? Will you recognize that? So for all of those this morning who are discouraged, from one end of the spectrum or the other, we're going to sing a song, He Will Hold Me Fast, in just a moment. All I'm asking you to do, as God moves in your heart through the Spirit of God, is just to walk down here in the front in this open area, front of the pulpit, and just join us by standing there and At the close of the service, we're going to pray for everyone who's discouraged for whatever it is. That could be, maybe everyone's going to come forward, I don't know. But if you're discouraged this morning, you'd say, listen, I need the process on the inside, not just the process on the outside. I need to be able to make those comparisons. I need God every day. If that's you, then you come. And at the end, we'll pray for you. Whether it is one, 10, 20, or more. Father, discouragement is one of Satan's most used tools. And he has taken out some of God's people too discouraged to come to church, too discouraged to serve, too discouraged to, and we can all fill in the blanks. I pray this morning, not knowing the needs and the lives of most people in here, but you do. And I pray, Lord, that we might find in our community today the encouragement that we can depend on God every day to defeat discouragement and we can depend on each other. I pray that you would so work that into our hearts so that we don't lose heart, but rather have your heart. And we'll pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.